Welcome to the Agency Profit Podcast, a show dedicated to going deep space on agency operations, which is just as nerdy as it sounds. I'm your host, Marcel Petipoff. I'm the CEO of Parakeeto, a firm that helps digital and creative agencies measure and improve their profitability. Join me as I interview some of the smartest thought leaders and agency owners in our space and go deep into operations and metrics and all the other things you need to get right so you can spend less time worrying about operations and more time executing on your vision. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Agency Profit Podcast. We have been bringing back a select few guests for a second episode, and today is another one of those repeats. If you go back to episode five, you'll recognize today's guest. It's Mandy Ellison, the founder of the Hands Off CEO and the creator of the Scale to Freedom system. She helps agency owners scale their business and allow it to run profitably without them. She's the host of another great podcast called the Hands Off CEO Podcast. Her upcoming book, Scale to Freedom, is coming out soon and will be generating proceeds for a good cause. So make sure you stay tuned to check out that new release. And she's here today to talk about the five exits that you need to go through as an agency owner to get an eight-figure business that generates six figures a month in profit that doesn't require you in it. And we're gonna talk about some ways to get out of the efficiency game, because I love to talk about how to you know, really squeeze all the efficiency out of your business, but let's be real, that's a really, really not very fun way to scale your business. So we're gonna talk about all the levers that you can pull today to get out of the commodity game and really allow yourself to charge high rates, have high profit margins, and make this whole scaling thing a lot easier. So with all of that, Mandy, thank you so much for coming back for round two on the Agency Profit Podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Marcel. It was such a pleasure to do the first interview. It was it was really fun. So I'm glad to be back for a second round. And I'm glad to have you. It's been it's crazy to think it's been like over three years since we recorded that first episode. Um, our businesses both look very similar, but also very different. You've grown a ton. You've helped so many clients since then, and you were already doing some big things then. So it's really cool to have you back, uh, so we can go even deeper into this stuff. But for those that haven't listened to the first episode, aren't familiar, uh, I'll give you a moment to just describe what you do and who you serve in your own words. Yeah, well, thanks so much for sharing that. And first, you know, I've we've definitely seen that the the progression of your business, uh, Parakeeto. You guys just do some really incredible work. So um, it's been fun to see the direction that you guys have been scaling because it really it, it is um, it's very much aligned with what we would teach agencies for how to be able to scale in a way where prof, where profitability increases but quality increases and outcomes for clients increase too. So you guys are really a great model for that. So you know what to, to answer. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so to answer your question, you know, what, what we do in, in our own words is like really hands off CEO it kind of says, it says our business name says the whole thing. And what we do is we work in, in um, where there's custom services agencies primarily are where we're working and um, agencies that are, delivering really exceptional results for clients. And of course, one of the challenges is, is that there's a real tension between, you know, I can sell this and I'm going to be delivering some of it too <laughs> as the CEO. I'm going to be very involved in this, but we're going to deliver like an amazing result, you know, maybe potentially adding millions of dollars of, of value to these clients and, and growth. Um, or, you know, what you could take the other path of like, we're going to operationalize this and we're going to, we're going to productize this and we're going to make this be streamlined and we're going to make this be, um, 
we're going to going to get all this efficiency and we're going to make we're going to remove out all the variation and um really just turn it into to a commodity right and um you know as marcel as you and i were talking about before we turned the the, the record button on it's becoming harder and harder to be able to scale commodities now and um here's the thing is is while the delivery might be easier the sales side of it's becoming harder and harder because you're now competing with an entire globe of people from developing nations that can be able to deliver those same deliverables about the same, but for a fraction of the price. So it's really looking at how do we be able to deliver exceptional outcomes and be able to have this very exceptional service in a way where you can actually scale it, in a way where you can actually be profitable and and be able to afford to hire those exceptional team members that will allow you to let go. Because without them, you know you're not going to be able to let go. So that's really the work that we do with um, CEOs and with um, their operations managers or their CEOs. We, we help them, them be able to develop operations managers who can run their business for them so that they can, this all can happen. So that, that is, in a nutshell, what we do at Hands Off CEO. I'm very excited for this episode because it's timely for us. Like you mentioned, we're kind of going through some of these stages of growth right now, really starting to buy back the very highest value time in our business. And those are very expensive, very ex senior experienced people. And, um, you know, I agree. I think we've done some things recently that are, is making that possible for us, people that we otherwise wouldn't have been able to afford um, if we were still charging what we charged when we first started and we were still doing things the way that we were doing them when we first started. So I'm really excited to see myself in this and also see myself in kind of some of those next steps. Before we dig into all of that, I want to clarify the current state that folks might be in that indicates them they need to you know perk up their ears and pay attention to this episode what are some of the common challenges that clients are coming to you with that you help them work through and what are some of the symptoms people might be feeling today oh that's a fantastic question because this is exactly where i was going to go next with this so i'm glad you asked this question so um one of the biggest things is that they're they have a really good they have really good results they have great case studies and um <clears throat> you know maybe they have They've worked with clients before where they've added a million dollars plus in results for their company. And they're looking at, you know, how do we bring on more of those clients? You know, but at the same time, they're like, well, you know, to be, be able to bring on more of those clients to even focus on, on generating more growth to bring on those clients, we need more team members. And we all know how difficult that is in this market to be able to, to, to be able to attract these kind of team. It's harder than ever before. So we don't, we can't just hire anymore. We have to actually recruit. That's, that's the market we're in now. And not only that, is that we have to not only recruit, but we have to be really, really choosy and be able to fire very quickly because there's also a market of people not being that excited to work. That's not everybody though. So you so it's, it's really about finding those real superstars and being able to, to, to create and foster an environment for them to grow and thrive. So, but you need more of those team to be able to bring on more of those clients, right? Now, what do you need to be able to bring on those team? You need more cash, right? You need more cash to be able to pay those people. So what do you need to be able to generate more cash? Well, you need more clients to generate the cash. But the problem is, is that you need more team to service those clients. So like you're in this endless cycle. And um, so this is very, this is something that's very common. And, um, you know, I was just talking this, this, this last week with a woman, I'll, I'll call her Sandra, not her real name. And this was the exact situation she was at, you know, has this 
successful million dollar company does really great results, has a good team, has an operations manager even, but it's just the, it's just that the thing is, is that the, the operations manager should be taking on more, but doesn't like the CEO doesn't really even know what they should be doing. That's one of the things that we're seeing a lot is that like that the, the, um, the operations leader should be really taking on more and being able to run the operations so the CEO can actually grow. But the problem is, is that there's, there's all these inputs that need to happen in order for them to do that. And the CEO doesn't know what to expect of them. And they don't know what to do to be able to put those things in place to be able to make that happen. So it's like, it's this place where they get stuck. Have you seen this before in Marcel? Yeah, I mean, this is what I say on this all the time is it's indigestion versus starvation. We have a lot of agencies that we talk to that think they're suffering from starvation. And when we look under the hood, they're actually experiencing indigestion. And mm. this is a, a methodology that we call revenue replacement versus revenue addition. And we've had several clients that we do an audit and we're like, hey, you can grow 60% year over year without hiring a single person or changing any of your cost structures just by getting all of your clients to look like these three over here that are twice as profitable as everybody else. And this is mostly common in our experience in companies that do a lot of retained work or have a very long-term engagements with clients. So this is super important stuff, right? It's like, it might just be that you just want to focus on increasing the quality of your revenue as opposed to thinking about adding a, a larger volume of work. Yeah, absolutely. I love that you share that we're so aligned on this. So it's so, so yeah, that, that step in our process is looking at, um, what is it going to take to be able to generate much higher profit for each each service that you're offering, each client that you're working with. So it's also looking at, you know, taking a look at all of the, the offerings that you have and say, you know, what are the ones that are generating the biggest outcomes? And what are the ones that are generating the smallest outcomes? The ones that are generating the smallest outcomes, you're going to be able to, to charge the least amount for. And if you're charging a higher amount for, you're ripping off your clients. So just eliminate them. Um, so we want to be looking at, you know, what is it, what is it going to take? So I, I like to use um, a five X ROI like calculation. We want to be looking at, um, how do we be able to sell services where we're going to be generating at least a five X ROI for our clients. And, um, <clears throat> and if you can guarantee that it makes your sales just like you, you have people beating a path to your door. Like you have people crawling over broken glass to be able to, to work with you. And like, we have clients that have long wait lists now because of their offers are so freaking hot. Now that's after they've doubled, tripled, quadrupled their fees even. So it's looking at how do you be able to create such a hot offer based on the case studies you already have, and then use those case studies to leverage that, to be able to sell and attract your very best clients that you can deliver your top results for over and over and over again. Uh, and I think this is such an important idea because I see this mindset block often and actually funny story I, there's a barber um in my town locally that was you know asking me for advice and this was their biggest problem they're running a service business and they were afraid to turn clients away they were afraid to make clients wait too long to book with them so i was like why aren't you marketing your business and they were like well because if i market then i'll get all this demand and then i won't be able to service everyone i'll have to turn people away and i'm like that is the best possible yeah. context for you to run your business in that is the environment that is necessary for you to run a highly profitable business because without it, you have no leverage. And so if you're in that mindset or if you have this fear of having to tell a client they've got to wait two months to work with you or 
turning them away because there's another client that's a better fit and is willing to pay you more money for the same deliverable. Like if you're afraid of that conversation, I don't know who you need to talk to. Um, call your, your psychologist, call your mom, your pastor, whatever, whoever it is that you need to talk to, but you got to get over that mental block because it is, I, w- I would argue necessary to have excess demand if you want to be in a position to maximize your leverage and, and start charging these kinds of prices and optimizing all the things that come from that, your process, your utilization, start planning your capacity, like all those things get easier right. when you've got a wait list. Um, and I know that because we have a wait list all the time and that's on purpose. Love it. Yes, there's so much you just shared there. And um, the thing is, is that when you have a much higher, if you, when you're working with a lot higher price point, you now have the cash flow and the profit to be able to hire the people to do an exceptional job. And by the way, that's the reason why the CEO gets so stuck in the company. The CEO gets so stuck in the company, back to that cycle. They need more team. They need the cash to be... They, they, it's, the, it's because the company does not have enough cash. That's why the CEO is stuck in it. And then there's also the mindset things that you're talking about too. But it's this is why I also... It's, like, it's back to that, that vision that we talked about. You know, It's like really being clear on what they want to create and why. And if you don't know that, if, if that it's going to be really easy for you to be, to st- sit in the resistance of, well, I don't want to turn them away because here's the reality. It's a lot more comfortable to keep on doing what you've been doing versus actually make a decision to do something different. That's scary that you don't, you don't know what's going to come next. And um, that uncertainty can be scary, but you get past that uncertainty in really being able to have the courage to create this really exceptional company that's going to have, um, that you can have a wait list with, that you can have a much higher price point, higher profitability, and actually be able to have the, and have the, um, the actual margins to be able to deliver exceptional service because you do this. But, um, and that, that's what I find helps you overcome those, those type of things that I don't, I don't want to turn around. It's like, do you want to turn around or do you want to have a million dollar a year profit business? Which one, which one's more important to you? Do you want some free resources to help you measure and improve your profitability? If you do, then I want to tell you about our agency profitability toolkit, which you can grab absolutely free in the show notes or by heading to parakeeto.com forward slash toolkit. It's packed with training videos, cheat sheets, templates, and all kinds of other great resources to help you start measuring and improving the essential metrics that are going to drive better profitability in your business. And it's helped thousands of other agencies around the world do the same. So I want to encourage you to go and grab a copy of that. And if you'd rather get in the fast lane and just have our team of experts guide you through the process of measuring and improving your profitability, then I want to encourage you to apply for a consultation at parakeeto.com. And with that, I want to thank you again for tuning in. I hope you enjoy the episode and I'll let you get back to it. Okay. So Mandy, we've talked about this kind of first process of getting out of that cash clients capacity Mm -hmm. kind of cycle, which really comes back to finding the area where we add more value and extracting more of that value in our pricing so that there's cash flow, there's margin, and that essentially helps us circumvent this capacity to cash flow cycle. Once we've done that, what's the next step? What are some of these exits that we've now got to go through to go to the the scale Um, and profitability? So, so anyway, so that's the first thing to get out of the client managing clients and managing just overall projects that are being moved forward in the company that saves an enormous amount of time for the CEO, gives them the bandwidth that right there. Immediately they'll have that, that, that extra time and space to be able to generate more, more growth 
They'll have increased capacity with the team, increased capacity for themselves to go out and make more of the right type of sales, more of the right type of um, profitable sales. So that's that first exit. So um, the next piece is operations management. And this is where you really have, you can have this operations manager who can run the company. And what I mean by that is that um, it their, their job is to be building out the processes. And not just build out the process, to, their job is to oversee that. Their, their job is to manage the team members. Their job is to ensure that, that, that client results are being taken care of. Their job is going to be to make sure that, that you know, we're looking ahead and this is our quarter projects for, for, um, for us to accomplish these things. Their job is to do the planning and to be developing the people with them. They're, they are a leader that is developing leaders. And when you do that, that's going to also, I mean, it's going to free up another 10 to 20 hours per week, that, that type of, that type of role in that job. And the great thing about it is it can be done better because they have their full time. And here's the thing is, is that most CEOs, like we're not detail people, you know, we, we're not that like our, our, uh, we might be pretty good at follow through based on our own training and just like being able to just like to, 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 uh, out of just sheer will, will making things happen, right? Like we're pretty good at that. We're, but we tend to be quick starts. We tend to be people who are follow through, like on a natural level, it's not that high. So we want to have someone who has a really high follow through, who has got this intention of detail that they can really be able to, to focus on that. And when you can have someone who could run the company, oh my gosh, the level of, they're, they're, they're overseeing the, the staffing needs and they're, they're going in and hiring people and they're, then they're bringing you the top three candidates and you just get to look at the like, yeah, let's, let's, let's move forward with, with, with this one based on what your, your recommendations. And it really just becomes a completely different business that you could be absent from for, you know, a week, two weeks, three weeks, even at a time. And what this does is getting out of exit one and exit two, it allows you to be able to have the company run without you. Not grow yet, but it can run without you. So recognize that if you're going to be gone, gone for a couple of weeks, your company's not going to grow. And that's okay because that's the stage that you're at. But we do it in this order because it's easier to, it's easier to, to, to um, get the quality in place for the client and project management. There's, there's an abundance of, the, of, of these types of, of folks. You just have to know how to train them to be able to, to, to run the company. And, um, Sales is a lot harder to get out of. So that's why we deliberately do that later. It's a lot harder. So I've seen the mistake that a lot of people will try to jump into sales to delegate that out before they fine tune that process. And what they do is they just take wads of money and they flush it down the toilet. <laughs> I've done it before myself too. <laughs> Um, maybe you've seen that too with, with, um, agencies that you've worked with Marcel. Yeah, I certainly have. Usually it's because they actually haven't documented any of the process around how they get clients and they just expect somebody to come in and figure it out. Um, but yeah, yeah, I've seen that happen time and time again. So exit one client management exit two operations management, really like the day-to-day -day running of the company, follow through on projects, initiatives, holding the team accountable, et cetera. What's exit yeah, three? Yeah, exit made? three is scaling sales. And this is where like the real magic happens. And the, you want to do this in stages too, right? So um, oftentimes what agency owners will do is say, you know what, like I don't, I need to be working on my business, not in the business, right? And doing sales is working in the business. It's like, yeah, but you know what? This is, these are $10,000 an hour 
types of work. This is a good this is a good place to be working in your business until you can effectively delegate it out. But then really never let go of it. I, as your CEO, never let go of like the lifeblood of your company because it comes in and and um because you're because you are 100% responsible for making sure that your payroll is met, for making sure client results are had, like all of these things. It's, it's dependent on you and it's dependent on whether you have cash coming in or not. So um this is this is one of the first things that people try to delegate out at an earlier stage and I think most people listening to your podcast have have learned those lessons already and they're they're understanding that they're mature enough to recognize that like okay that's not quite so easy and um but the first stage is 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 really being able to to, to uh delegate out business development business development so you can and, and this can come in in um hiring setters it can come in in um and but but people who can actually be um, generating the lead flow, so that then you as a CEO can close it. Later we'll be able to get the the uh, get a salesperson in place to close it. But we first we want to just work it work it through it in stages so that we can get those things dialed in and then move on to the next. And then what it allows you to do is it allows you to be able to keep creating growth with things being imperfect. This whole process allows you to actually be have a whole lot of imperfections and maybe even quite a bit of mess as you're continuing to scale. And you know what? You still can be remarkably profitable and still generate really amazing results for your clients while it's, while it's a little bit messy. Because rapid companies that are growing rapidly have mess. Because the problem is is that your process is the you reinvent. You know, three six months ago. They're now you have to reinvent them again, you know, because you're you're growing so quickly, right? That's a really important insight. Actually, um, I heard this from Brad Peterson, who built one of the biggest toy companies in Canada and sold it. And he said this to me once, like, and I used to have this pipe dream when I was a very young entrepreneur. This idea that like someday I the business would just like be done. Yeah. Right. Like this hilarious idea that at some point, like everything was going to be all our processes were going to be done. Like there was going to be some kind of end point to this. And the reality is every business I've ever looked under the hood in, whether they were small or big, had a whole bunch of things that were broken all the time. And that's natural because to your point, you build and optimize processes for a shelf life of like maybe 12 months, maybe 18 months if you're lucky, but they should break if yes. the business is growing because the context is changing around them. And so there's just gonna kind of be this constant erosion that happens in the business to your point. Um, and scaling is not going to be clean, but it doesn't have to be no. terribly, terribly painful or stressful and having a, an excess of cash can make it a lot easier. The, the, the other, the other piece around sales uh, with exit three is, um, is hiring a, a salesperson and being able to hire a salesperson who can manage the whole sale from, um, you know, the, the, the managing the sales process to, to be able to get them from lead to, to conversion. I mean, there's a whole process in there. So, um, be able to be able to train them. You need to have the right offer for them to sell. And, and the right, the, that, so that story I was telling you about with Laura, you know, what we do, what we did to support her to be able to triple her fees and then triple the, the, the length of engagement, um, is what we, we, we created a client success map. We helped her create a client success map, which would share with them the promise in her case to add a hundred thousand dollars. I mean, a hundred thousand pounds of additional profit for the company within 12 months. And then there were some other things too, but it, but, um, that promise allowed her to be able to sell a much higher, um, higher price, um, service 
And that's what's going to allow her to be able to, to delegate that to a sales team when she's ready to, because it's a really clear, it's, it's a really clear, like, this is what you get. This is when you get it. And, and it can, can very clearly articulate the value proposition in a way that the salesperson has guardrails so they don't just go sell anything. Cause that's what they will do if you, if you turn them loose. So, um, so that, that's exit three. And, um, and, um, also another piece we love to scale with, um, executive briefings and to be able to actually, um, have, have events that to be able to bring prospects into to people who are interested in the service and that you can use that as a way to actually be able to grow your list and then, um, have people experience value before it. So then it kind of turns into your, it really allows you to scale your sales process and actually kick the can down the line a little longer before you actually have to hire a salesperson. And if you want to see an example of this, um, if you go to handsoffceo.com forward slash briefing, you can sign up for one of our, um, our briefings and, um, that, 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 we teach our clients how to put that whole thing together too. So um, exit four, client strategy. Now, here's the thing is sometimes this comes earlier. For some companies, they might have client strategy come earlier, but this is where you have the, you have the, uh, your, your training strategist internally to be able to replace you, to be able to replace the CEO as the main strategist. And the, what's really amazing about this is you can develop people internally to become the strategist and, um, you could, you could also hire really high level strategists who can come in and build out programs to be able to train internal, uh, internal strategists. And then what that allows you to do is it allows you to be able to have like, you know, maybe one, two, like a very small number of high level strategists, but then they're developing people underneath them who will then eventually be able to replace them down the line. And that, that allows the company to have, to scale and have, and ha have really exceptional strategists, um, at, at, at with price efficiency. So that's exit four. Um, and that's a really, like going through exits one to four is a pretty killer business. And that's one that like you can still be involved in as a CEO to whatever level you want. And I think this is a really ideal place. And this is where most of our clients aspire to. But exit five is taking it to the next level where you can actually be able to sell the company and completely exit it. So um, one of our clients, Will Watrous, he, was, he went through all five of these exits and he was able to actually remove himself and, and promote his COO into the CEO stage. And this, um, so, so this is where you're putting in place executive leadership. Not everyone wants to do this. We've had other clients who've been able to go in and sell their company. They've got to sell it internally to their team or they've sold it uh, externally to, to investors. So this is really the stage where your company, you can maximize the valuation for your company because you've done those earlier steps. If you don't do those earlier steps, your company is, is worth very little. It's very, it's, it's really a, it's a very small multiple for agencies, but if you put these things in place, you can increase your multiple and also increase the likelihood that an investor will actually want to acquire your company, which means millions of dollars more at your exit. Yeah. And, and, and that's the, we've talked about this a few times on the show, but yeah, we're talking about EBITDA multiple. So there's three compounding factors here, right? Number one, what is the EBITDA? What is the profit margin on the business? As if every time that goes up, it's a substantial impact. Number two, what is the multiple? Are you getting three times, five times, eight times, 12 times your net profit? That's another multiplying factor. Um, and of course there's another kind of step function, which is, are you South of, or sorry, north of 
a million dollars a year in EBITDA because as soon as you cross over that line, the competition for your business from acquirers is substantially higher because there's just this this much higher level of return. And so you're generally getting a higher multiple. And the way that you push that multiple up is A, having more EBITDA, but B, having all of these other things. Less risk in the business, less risk comes from all of these exits that you as a, a founder are able to create because you're no longer a linchpin in the business. Um, plus, you know, probably you're making more money and spending less time. So this has been amazing. Five exits, client management, number one. We had day-to-day -day management operations, number two. We had sales at number three. We had client strategy at number four. And then number five is really exiting yourself from the business, not having a job anymore per se, and really having complete autonomy over how you invest your time and energy into the business. Those are the five exits, Mandy. Before we wrap, any final words of advice for those that are listening um, and where should they go and find more of you on the internet? Yeah, just, just the final advice is that is to be really clear on what you want to create and know that it's possible and just choose, instead of choosing fear, really choose certainty. Choose the, the, the confidence that you're going to create this and just make it happen. And then, and also get the support Find someone who can actually support you to like get really clear on what your vision is and then look for who can support you to be able to do that and has the highest likelihood of you being able to generate the success because if you, if you try to do it on your own, you'll be banging your head against the wall year after year and it will, it will cost you millions of dollars of opportunities, like millions of dollars. And I know that, um, you know, uh, Marcel, you have a lot of great contacts that you could, you could refer people to. To, for, for what's best for, for, for them. You know, if you come to our executive briefing, I could also share with those two. And like, we are, we are a boutique consulting company. We're very careful about the clients that we choose to work with. And when we, we, we make, we make recommendations for what the best is for people. So, yeah. So if, if so where they want, if you want to go to, I, I mentioned the briefing already. Um, and then if you want to uh, learn more about, you know, how do you be able to, so, how to be able to generate this kind of growth in your company, you can go to handsoffceo.com forward slash roadmap to down, download our ultimate roadmap to scaling your, um, your agency. All right. So I will have links to the briefing, to the roadmap, to Mandy's website, as well as to their podcast. So you can check all of that out just by scrolling down to the show yes. notes. And with that, Mandy, I mean, I'm sure everyone can tell we could just talk for hours about this stuff. So I'm just so glad that you were able to make some time to come back. It's so great to have you here. Thanks so much, Marcel. It was such a pleasure. For another great Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you've ever found yourself thinking, man, I get so much value from this podcast. I wish there was something I could do to return the favor. Well, today's your lucky day because you can leave us a review wherever you're listening to this. And it is incredibly helpful. Of course, if you haven't grabbed a free copy of the Agency Profit Toolkit, go and get that. It's got tons of free resources to help you improve your profitability. If you're looking to get in the fast lane and get help from experts to improve your profitability and measure your most important metrics, then apply for a consultation at parakeeta.com. We'd love to chat with you and figure out how we can help. With all of that, thank you so much for being a listener, and we will see you on the next episode.
great interview.